How about this for a mantra? Don't overthink, attack. That's one of the philosophies that Nolan Welch, owner of Delta Electric, lives by as a business owner, and it has served him very well over the years, building up a business over the last 12 or 13 years into a very, very solid and productive company. A couple of other nuggets that you're going to hear from Nolan on this broadcast. Letting go of control is hard, but it's essential, and he's learned that lesson. And boy, you talk about a leader that really trusts his gut, trusts his instincts. And that is, again, another mantra of Nolan Welch. Trust what you think and trust what your gut is telling you because it has also served him very well. This is a poignant story. He overcame some tragedy and adversity early in his life, but Nolan said that has helped make him the person he is today. Much to take in On this episode of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry, you're going to enjoy it. Brought to you by our great producer as well, Grace Dunbar. Enjoy the show. Well, this is going to be so much fun because part of what we're going to talk about today is the fact that you used to be a feedlot cowboy. And I cannot wait to get to that. Nolan Nolan Wells joining me today to talk about Delta Electric and leadership and a variety of other things. But Nolan, you know how this thing gets started. We always start with your Mayberry. So tell us about your Mayberry. I know it's a little town called Ash, Nebraska. I want to hear more. I've been there before, I'm sure. Uh, growing up in Asheville was great. I had my my group of friends that lived within two blocks of me, and every day we'd ride our bikes up to the swimming pool, and it was the typical with the baseball card and the spokes and wheels. See how fast, yeah. See how fast you can go down the hill next to your house, and if it got too fast, instead of hitting the brakes, you just hit the grass and do a couple flips. And I mean, it was just. And then growing up like that was, I mean, it was back when you could just leave. Mom didn't know where you were. It was come home when the lights are on, you know. And I mean, we I we'd ride all the way to the hardware store, mead lumber, and and I'd buy wood, and I built wagons that hooked to the back of my bike that I could haul sheets of plywood on. And then I'd go home and build tree houses in the backyard, so you, you know. I mean, we on. just the wheels were spinning. I it was just I don't know, couldn't sit still. I think is the problem. But yeah, wheels were always turning. Yeah, where'd you get that? I mean, I think back to kids and, and going in first. I I can imagine what the guys at the lumber company were saying. Mead lumber. Oh, that was hilarious. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, what's this little whippersnapper coming in here buying wood? But yep. Where did you get this ability? At a young age, like, when did you start building and how old were you? I was tinkering from really young age. I can tell you exactly when it started, but I, it, it kind of runs in the family. I don't know. The Starn side of my family is just hands-on everything. So I I actually started working with my Uncle Dave, and I don't know how old I probably r- truly was, but I was with him all the time. He'd take me fishing and do all kinds of stuff with me and Evan. And then I'd go work with him. I was under 10 working on trucks and tractors with him. And then my, my stepdad, I started, I actually started in the field. And I tell my girls this all the time. This is why I know this. At seven years old, I was in a tractor by myself, chisel plowing in the field. And he said, when you're done with the field, drive it home. And it was dark when I'm driving home. In the tractor, on the road. Yeah, it was just like, figure it out. And I think he come check on me once or twice. You know, in a tra- I don't know, in a tractor, you got to use the brakes. 
there's a right brake and a left brake. If you can't turn sharp enough and it's pushing dirt, you got to use the brake because it'll, like a mower, like a zero-turn mower. And he'd come and he'd straighten me out like, you got to use this. Then he'd leave. Figure it out. This is, you know, so what I love about this, too, is growing up, I hear so many stories about the work ethic. It's really, you know, really formed, on, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you can't sit around. Uh, on a farm no. and, and how much did that play a role in just giving you first off not only the ability of work ethic or that that attribute but that that ability to tinker and and to really figure things out on your own and build things and as you mentioned i'm going to quote you again figure things out on your own mm-hmm. how much did that play a role it's everything if you can't like it come to now if i can't make a snap decision my guys are looking at me like what are we doing? You know? So figure it out. Just get thrown into it. Figure it out. I try and do that with the guys that work for me now. It's don't sit and overthink it. Just attack it. Me and my business partner, I'm only 50% owner of Delta. So my business partner, we're always saying it. We say we're going to put it on our t-shirts. Just effing attack it is what we would say. We're going to put it on the back of a t-shirt because they overthink. You overthink. You overthink. And sometimes you just need to you just got to react and you'll get it right. But if you can't figure it out on your own, ask for help, but you'll be able to figure it out on your own. You know, a, a great entrepreneur that uh, we both know, Keith Zadenby, yeah, who started KZ Co. That's kind of his mantra as well. He, he, his thought is, if I have an idea and I sit around and I spend too much time thinking about it, I might not get done. So his thought is just jump in and I think yeah. entrepreneurs, I'll share that trait off it. Yeah, you kind of have to, I think. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise you're too scared to take the jump. And I mean, most entrepreneurs just jump, you know, and you have to do that. And I I stepped on you, my apologies. So here's my question. As a kid growing up, was it always the farm? I mean, as a 12-year-old, my my fondest memories are a 12, 13-year-old, you know, summertime, July. Uh, Those are the memories I have with my buddies growing up in a small town. What what was that like? Was it was it work all the time? Did you get plenty of time to be a kid? I got a lot of time to be a kid. Uh, there was a lot of work, but it was work that I always kind of thought was fun. I liked the farm. I, if I wasn't with my uncle John, you know, moving, they used to have pivot or irrigation guns. They weren't pivots that just spin around. They were like giant sprinklers. And I don't know if you've ever seen these. Oh yeah, but they they'd mow a path through the field and they'd put that giant sprinkler on one end and they tie it to the tractor on the other and it just pull itself through the field and shoot and we'd have to go move those hoses i remember that and i remember standing on a hose thinking that the water pressure is going to shoot me up in the air never never did but it you just it was just fun like that and then i remember being in the combine with him and he'd let me steer when i was i mean i don't know how old i was it's a very early memory chewing blackjack gum you know because he loves black licorice my uncle john so that memory and then and then going and working on the farm with my stepdad and just jumping between the two and when i wasn't there like i said i was at the swimming pool every day of the summer or building forts or playing war in the trees with my friends it's just goofy stuff dumb boys do when they're oh, yeah. little you know? it's just i love it I mean, but it sounds like yeah the memories you hold on yeah and uh, but you know we were chatting before the, the show obviously uh, everyone faces adversity at some point mm-hmm. and there's not much more adversity you could ever face than uh, obviously losing, you know, a parent. He lost your dad when you were 10. 
and talk about how that also formed you and influenced you. I kind of, I feel like you have to have the adversity to do anything, to, to have the drive. There's got to be something in your life that happens that, that throws you for a loop because that's going to tell you how you can handle that situation. So he died a month before my, my 10th birthday. And I remember, I feel like I blocked some of that out. I remember, I remember when it happened. I remember the way I felt when I found out. I remember the funeral. I remember that kind of stuff. But then after that, I feel like I just kind of dove into just life. Mm-hmm. Just help on the farm, play with my friends, Get try and... Maybe a natural coping it might have been, it, or, you know, it might have been that. It might have been part of the fact that, I mean, we kind of knew it was coming at some point, you know, it was brain cancer. It, it was coming and going, you know, for a while he was fine. And then it kind of, so I don't know. I just kind of took it. It's kind of hardened me. I don't get real emotional about things anymore, which is probably a good thing because I, I also don't get stressed about things very often. It takes a lot stress me out and I think it's probably part of it you know you have that kind of something like that happen to you at a young age and it just kind of I guess this is how it goes bad stuff happens yeah so and that's as bad as it gets he was a remarkable guy um but your mother remarkable lady Mm -hmm. and I bet she stepped in oh yeah and you know really I mean think about what she's dealing with at that time and how she showed you strength how much that influenced you as well it was hard for her because single mom, she worked all the time. You know, she worked weird hours too. I remember she'd be at work at night because she worked at the nursing home. You know, me and Evan would be home. We had a babysitter some nights, some nights, you know, you're home alone. It was different, you know, but she was always working. And I got to give credit to, to my uncles, my, my grandpa, Dell. Like, they were there all the time. I remember having sleepovers at Grandma and Grandpa's house. I feel like we were there all the time. And maybe it's just a false memory, but... Again, that goes back to the farm. I was always there. I was at... If I wasn't at... There's three farms that I was at at all times. It was either my stepdad's, the Starnes farm, or the Bundy farm, my father's side, you know? So... I don't know. It it The whole situation was tough, but... In the end, I think it was good, you know. And my brother has said that too, you know. He's you got to have that adversity, otherwise, you just grow up soft. <laughs> you what? That that will that will chisel you. Yeah. Earlier, and and you and your brother amazingly successful. And here's another thing: when I when I just listen to it, a processing, I start to think about it. You had all these people around you with amazing work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean, your mother working at night, you know, to yep. take care of you guys. And you've got, you know, all of this extended family working, working, working on the farm, bringing you in, showing you how it's done. No wonder, you know, you have been successful. And, of course, your brother Evan as well. Um, that had to play such a huge role. Whether you knew it or not consciously, it had to play a huge role. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know it at the time, obviously. But I know now, looking back, and, and what me and my wife do with our kids, you know, they see me and her working all the time. And I take them with me all the time. You gonna, come on, let's go. I made I made my 13-year-old run the trencher the other day. The big trencher. I got pictures of it. It's hilarious. But she had the grumpiest yes, look grumpiest look on her face the whole time. But she did great. No, no hiccups. But 
You know what? She didn't like the cleaning the trench out part with the shovel very much, but yeah, but she's getting her payback because I understand yeah. you have to go to Ma the crew. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which which will be fun, but it just sounds like a lot of noise. You talk about adversity right there, Miley new uh, crew, Def Leppard, yeah, Block Team. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's uh, it'll harden me a little more probably. <laughs> so you know your career, I love it. Here you are at 15 years of age. 15 years of age when everyone's thinking about again just. Going to school, mm-hmm. yeah, make the, the football team, whatever, right? And at age 15, you end up buying your first business. Yep. I've got to hear about this. It's a lawn mowing business, but one, how'd you negotiate a price? How did you know you wanted to buy it? Well, honestly, I don't even remember the price negotiation part of it. Uh, I started working for Tyler when I was... Tyler Hodges. Tyler Hodges, yep, another Ashland guy. And he, he built a pretty good business. I mean, he had a lot of accounts. I mean, for, for a small town mower, I think that we had like 60 accounts when I bought it, which is a lot for a 15-year-old. But I started working for him. I worked for him a couple of years, and he was, I think it was going off to college, or actually he was in college. I think he might have been graduating and was going to a career, so he's like, you want to buy it? I don't remember what I bought it for, but I did have to get a loan. So I got a loan. Mom co-signed. So it wasn't a difficult thing for me to get financing, but it was a reality check. Thank God for mom, because she would, she was the one that sent out the bills to everybody monthly. I never did that. I just collected the money and then spent it like a dumb 15 year old would, you know, on car stuff and, and all kinds of whatever. But if I'd have known then what I know now, I'd be a lot farther along in my life, <laughs> but I ended up having friends working for me. That's what it was. And then, and then, yeah, yeah. I hired, I hired buddies, which is probably not the best hiring tactic you can do, you know, but they all worked. I never had any trouble. We got, we got done with what we needed to get done with and senior year rolls around. And it was, it was interesting because they have the work release program at school. Well, it just so happened my aunt Diane was in charge of that. So I don't think I would have gotten that leeway to be able to go work for myself in that work release had she not been there, but I did. And some friends of mine got to go with me and we'd go and we'd mow all these yards and that was good. And then senior year hits, Tyler decides he wants it back. He's like, I'll I'll buy it back from you. And I'm like, well, that works out really great because, you know, somewhere along the line in high school, I realized that I want to be an electrician. And it was 100% stupid kid, only about the money. I knew that I could fix stuff. I knew I could take things apart. Electrician. Or sounds good. We had a lake house that we went in on with three other families up in Morse Bluff, Nebraska. And we were driving around that lake. And one day I remember I was like, what does that guy do? And I pointed to this beautiful house on the, on the lake. That's Les. That's the owner of Fremont Electric. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own an electric company someday. Yeah. You know, that was. Would you recommend that? Was that the right motivation? No. <laughs> no. Pick something that you like or love to do and do that. You know, I can't say that I love my job. I'm just naturally good at it. it I tell my kids all the time. Just do enough. Work hard when you're young. Save enough money, invest enough, so that way when you get older, you can have a job. It's not about the money, because you already got the money. Do something you love. 
And it's so interesting you say that. I was talking to an entrepreneur the other day who said the same thing. They said, look, I don't know that I love what I get to do mm-hmm. every day, but I love being a business owner. We have a yep. great business. And that, to me, um, was revealing. Yeah. You don't always have to love what you do, but you've got to have skill at it, and you've got to love, for sure, being a business owner, yeah. developing people. Yeah. And it sounds like those are areas. For sure. I, I, I love building a business. I like, I like the inner workings, the behind the scenes. I don't necessarily like going out and wiring things anymore, especially. I mean, I'm just, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, weighs on you, but I like, oh, we got this problem. Let's fix that. Okay. We got that fixed. Now what's the next problem that's going to show up? All right, let's fix that one. It's just a series of solving problems is all it is. And I really enjoy that. You're talking about fixing it from Working on the business. Yes, working on the business, not in the business, yeah. is the, the saying. so. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, what's so interesting about that is you, you and I are going to talk about specialization later in the broadcast because you say it's it's really one of your secret sauces to what you know, Electric has been so good. Yeah. So I want you to hold that thought yeah. because to me that sounds like right there, you specialized from an ownership standpoint, mm-hmm. understanding your strengths. So we'll get to that in a minute. But now I've got to ask you this. You you had your hand at being an electrician. You go in, you start out, you get your first job, yep. and you said, look, I'm done. I'm out of here. And so you became a feedlot cowboy. Yeah. That's where your yep. feedlot cowboy career started. Yep. So tell me about that process of, of getting in and then stepping out and being on a horse all day. Like, I, out. It was it was unique. I So to go back a little bit, I graduated high school on a Saturday and I started working for Millard Electric on a Monday. I had two days. I had a two-day break from graduating high school, and I worked for them. And I did. I worked for an apart. I learned a lot at Millard Electric. Those guys are great too. I worked at apartment complexes, learned all the basics, and then I went to big houses. And I had a journeyman. His name was Alan Town. Taught me so much. He was the best guy to to work with. But at twenty years old, you're just kind of dumb. <laughs> Especially boys. Girls tend to mature a little quicker, but it was just the same thing every day, every day, every day. And I, I was always like, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And like, I mean, I look back on this and it's like just shameful in my opinion now because I would look at a guy that does this to me in my business and just roll my eyes at him. But it's just one day I woke up and I was like, I'm done. I didn't give them a chance. I didn't talk to them. And it was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that, but... I quit and grandpa Dell was like, what are you doing? What are you going to do? I mean, it was, he was, he was the guy that would pound on my windows when I, when I stayed out too late the night before he'd come to my house, pound on my window at 10 in the morning, get out, Nolan, get. So, I mean, he always kept me in check, which was good, but I had to find something to do. And I called Doug Anderson, the boss at Timmermans north of town. And I'm like, Hey, I need a job. What do you, he hired me and that was it. And it was, it's still to this day, it was the best job I ever had. I mean, it was, it was just fun. Every morning at 7 a.m., you'd saddle a horse and ride pens until noon. But what about those days where it's 20 below? That's yeah, still great. That horse is kind of warm, you know? I mean, it's, it just, it was fun. It was just a fun job. I just realized shortly, hey, this is not where I want to go for the rest of my life, but. So you jump back in. So what, in. what draws you back in after I did your toe in the water and decided you don't like it? It was too cold earlier. I didn't realize 
that show, I think it was a year and a half of working there. But then I, in that time, I met my wife. And then everything, I mean, it was one of those situations where she's it. She's the one. This is going to, and it clicked really quick. We had a short, I only, I've, I knew my wife for six months before we were married. We met, got engaged. I mean, it was boom, boom, boom. It happened fast. We've been married 15 years now. So I say it worked. But I met her and it was just, I got to start. I got to start doing something because now it's, there's going to be family. I got to. So one day I, I'm, I'm literally on the horse and I get a phone call from a friend of mine. His name's John Gifford. He worked for Roberts Electrical Contracting in Omaha. Hey, you want a job? I'm like, well, what's it pay? I think I was making eleven dollars an hour riding a horse. Well, we'll start you at thirteen fifty. Like when you want me to start? I'm back. Let's go. You know, make decisions quick, don't you? I feel like you have to. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they're not always the right decisions, but at least you made a decision. You know, you miss out on a lot if you don't. So, you know, I like what you said earlier. You said, you know, when I don't go with my gut, yep, it doesn't seem to work. Whether it's marriage, you went mm-hmm. six months, but you've had an incredible marriage. Yep. Whether it's that one phone call and 30 seconds later, you know, you're taking a job. And I've got to imagine there are other things uh, from a business perspective that your gut tells you something. Yeah. So that takes a lot for people to just trust their gut. How have you learned it to trust it? Because I've got to imagine every time you've been wrong. Getting burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, easiest thing that comes to mind is customers that won't pay i've learned to follow my gut when i'm meeting with a new customer because and i learned this at roberts i i went from being a service electrician at roberts to within probably a year year and a half i was the service manager so it all happened really quick so i'd go meet people and uh give them estimates and 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 just talk about their job and what they want to do and I, i'll never forget there's this one guy i don't remember his name it doesn't matter but it, the whole time I'm talking to him, he's like, I'm from California. He goes, I, I, I got out of that. I got out of doing what I was doing because, you know, he, he tried to screw me and I, I, I sued him though. I sued him. And I should have just been like, this, everything, the way this guy's talking is everything about him is a red flag. And I should have listened to my gut. And that was the first time we got burned. Mm-hmm. There was problems from day one with him. It cost more than, he thought it was going to cost, even though it was in writing. You know, it was this, it was that, it was it. And I don't know if we ever got paid. So it's just customers like that. Or or if you interview a new employee and you just feel like like everything on paper looks great, but you feel like he's going to be a problem. Just, he's going to be a problem. Yeah. And just follow your gut because it's, it hasn't lied to me yet. Such an important lesson, I think, for business owners because... Uh, so often, you know, we're taught, hey, you got a business idea, do a 17-page business plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going through processes that can sometimes take a long period of time. Yeah. And it sounds like you pretty much know within 30 seconds mm-hmm. what you want to do. Yep. And you say, ultimately, you're not great at processes, are you? Mm-mm. And does it have a lot to do with that? It might. I, I, right now, it's just a kind of fly by the seat of my pants. You know, my gut tells me to do this, do that. Just attack it, go do that. There's just, there's better ways, I think. Can it be taught? I mean, is this something that you want to say to business owners? I think everybody has it. I just don't think they're all aware of it. 
I think, I think, you know, I've got guys that work for me that, why'd you do that? Well, I didn't think I should, but I did it. It's like, but why? You, you didn't think you should. Why'd you do that? You know, it's just, I think everybody has it. They just don't know what they're looking for. You know, we are at a point in higher, um, I've dealt with so many business owners that, um, you know, obviously in this environment, finding the right people. Oh, it's tough. Um, it's tough, right? But when you think about that, you talk about gut and you talk about making the right choice. Mm-hmm. It's all about people for you. And we're going to explore that a little bit. Do you? Would you say to a business owner, look, leave that position open no matter how painful it is until you know you have the right person? Or do you have a different strategy to get around that labor, uh, labor shortage that so many companies are facing right now? It depends on the business. It depends on how diversified the business is. Follow your gut when it, when it comes to hiring. We have basically two parameters when we hire people now, because we don't tend to hire journeyman electrician, the guys that have the license. We tend to hire brand new green apprentice electricians. And our two things are show up on time and do what you're told and you'll learn the rest. If you can't show up on time, then we've got a problem. And we've had a few of those. You hire them and they, I'm sorry, I forgot what your question, your original question was, but but it's just, if you can't show up on time and just do what you're told, you're never going to learn anything, you know? No, I don't think you can. I mean, I've, we had one apprentice that didn't last very long, but I had four conversations with him. Four days in a row, you need to be here at five to seven. And every day it was five after seven, ten after seven. It's like, I'm asking for one thing out of you right now. That's all I need you to do. And if you can't do that, maybe this isn't the job for you. There's somewhere for somebody. There's somewhere for everybody. And that's what I was going to get. That's where your question was originally. But hire, if you have a diversified enough company and you can hire almost anybody, as long as they're willing to work hard, you can find a place for them. There's certain things people are good at and there's certain things they're just not. I've got guys that, I've got two guys that we do a lot of hospital work. Those two guys do the hospital work. They're methodical. They get it done. It doesn't have to be the fastest. just needs to be thorough. And that's what these guys are. They're thorough. And then I've got other guys that can just do the dirty grunt work better than anybody else. If you throw them in an attic or or in a ditch to dig, they will get that done faster than anybody else. But those hospital guys won't do that. So you got to know where to put them. So I guess that, to answer your question, depends on the business. The, you know, I mean, you can I can hire almost anybody as long as they show up on time and do what they're told, and I'll find a place for them. I, I the, the the mindset of hiring that person who is uh, you know who is green describe them versus that journeyman electrician. What's the mindset behind that? Why did you gravitate towards that hiring process? We've tried the hiring journeyman before, and people have their own way of doing things. When they've been trained by somebody else, they do it the way they've been trained. And we like to, or I like to say anyway. We don't hire journeymen. We kind of grow our own. So right now, we have one guy 
that was a journeyman before he came to us. Just one. And he owned his own business and had a falling out with his partner. And he's like, I don't, I got enough money now. I don't need to work. I just want to work. So that's him. Everybody else that works for us either was with us from day one. We've got one guy that was with us from day one or was an apprentice that we hired and grew into a journeyman, got them their license, helped them pass their test. Uh, I think that's a, that is a really a smart way to go about hiring because it fits into your culture as well. You get them to buy into what you do at yep. one versus having to you know, recondition yeah. from where they came from. But you also talk about your secret sauce, your secret sauce. What I love about what I ask this question, what's the secret sauce to Delta Electric? It has to do with people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a service orientation or anything like that. It is with people because you said the secret sauce is you've learned to get specialization, right? Mm -hmm. Your people, you've already talked yep. about that. Yep. Every employee work to their strengths. So again, it's a people issue, which I love. Yep. Uh, 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 it's around people. So tell me a little bit, did that come naturally? Was this a predetermined plan where you said, we're going to do this, or did you just learn as an owner? It, it, we learned as an owner. It was a lot of, why did that get screwed up? Why did that get screwed up? And then, so I read a book, and this is what kind of started this mindset for me, and it was uh, Jocko Willink, uh -huh. Extreme Ownership. Yes. And ever since I read that book, yeah. yep, that's a great book for anybody to read. I mean, anybody. It applies to parenting. I mean, it's every everything's, but everything's my fault in the business. If something goes wrong, I mess something up. If he messed something up on a job, I messed up. I shouldn't have had him on that job. Or I didn't give him the proper guidance to finish that job. I didn't give him the right tools, or I didn't tell him enough about it before he got there, you know? That, to me, is... The end all, the all. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's where the yep, and that's what and that's what we learned is it's. We used to just say, "All right, well, this guy's free. Throw him on that job. This guy's free. Throw." Well, no, that's not how we do this anymore. Mm -hmm. If if I've got residential service work that comes in, it's look at the schedule and tell me when Dave is available, because he's doing that. If the customer's got to wait a little longer, I'm sorry, but it's better for you in the end anyway, because he's going to save you money if he gets there, gets it done, gets out of the door. Hey, we're going to take a quick break in the show so that you know about Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland, the sponsor of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. You know, few banks can say they've been around for 139 years, but Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland has. Why? Because they are locally owned, locally managed, and they are focused on you. They offer full service business banking and you're always going to talk to a live person when you give them a call. They're commercial lenders. They are more than happy to share their expertise and to help you navigate any business financing that you may need, including SBA, TIF, or NEDCO financing. Check them out at fmnb.com or give them a call at 402-944-3316. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. You know, uh, another part that I think makes you so special as a business owner is that one of your quotes is, I remind myself that you work for your employees. They don't work yeah. for you. Um, so where did that philosophy come from? That kind of stemmed from that extreme ownership too, you know? I mean, it's just the more you realize that they, 
yeah, you're giving them a paycheck. And they're there for the paycheck, a lot of guys. But I have to keep them busy. For them, for their families, I got to keep everything moving. And if I can do that, if I can keep them moving and keep them busy and keep, like, giving them a paycheck, like, I got to, marketing all of that is about keeping them busy. If I can do that, then Delta Electric succeeds. Then I can get my part. But the whole, I try and be there before everybody. That doesn't happen anymore. I got one guy that I swear to God, he gets there at 615 every morning. I don't know what he's doing, but he sits in the office and I don't know what he's doing. So I don't get there before everybody anymore, but I always try and be the first one there. Always. And I always try it. If we've got a, a dirty, just a digging job, that's just going to be terrible or, or a big wire pull, you know, that just takes sheer grunt work. Mm-hmm. Me, my business partner, we try and be there every time, hundred percent of the time. Cause I had a boss at Roberts Electrical Contracting, that was his thing. If you are there with your guys on the crappiest days there are, they'll respect you, they'll work hard for you, and they won't talk crap about you. And you're not but, <laughs> well, you even said you tried out work. There's a little that. Oh yeah. Well, there's competition. I mean, you got a, a shop full of guys, and it's it just worked out that I'd hire a girl if she came to the cross the door, but. It's a shop full of guys. Right. There's a lot of testosterone. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of there's a lot of shit talking. It, you know to say it. Sure. So it just makes it fun. That makes the environment fun too. So when you get on those big wire poles and you're and you're yanking on a rope hanging out of the ceiling, you know, and you're doing yeah. this and you're just you're just chattering at each other and giving each other a hard time. It just makes the day fly by. It makes the whole environment better because those guys see you working that hard and they want to work that hard Mm -hmm. and they'll do that even when you're not there after that you know and my business partner works just as hard harder than me like he just he's that guy if you tell him you can't do that he's going to show you that he can and it's hilarious yeah that 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 will of course as you said it's that role modeling yeah it is that role modeling for employees but the other thing that you're really describing and it seems a constant theme from all of the the business owners that I interview is tremendous servant leadership. Um, you are serving your employees. Nolan, why is leadership so hard? Why? I mean, we have all these resources. You just talked about a book uh, that you read that has really shaped in. And we, we've got books. We've got leadership podcasts. We've got, why is leadership so hard for business owners? I think a lot of people just overthink it. I think there's there's a lot of information out there, and uh, I think you should constantly worry about how you're leading, how you're doing this. We just our mindset is just just work, just just show them. Mm-hmm. Don't be the business owner that that sends your guys out to do all this stuff and then goes to Hawaii. I just I just got back I, from Hawaii, I mean, by the way. So thank you. A few thank you too. I'm not trying to, (laughs) I I do that too. And this year I've gone on more vacations than I should, but I, it's just when you're there, show them that you're, you're not just telling them what to do and and going and putting your feet up. Yeah. Like show them that you can do it too. You're not, I would never ask them to do anything I wouldn't do. I've done everything that they're doing. And that's, 
I, I just think people overthink it. Yeah. Just keep it simple. You know, here's you know? here's something else that is very constant with you, and that is presence. You are there. You've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. The role modeling that you do for your employees to say, I'm going to go in and get my hands dirty right alongside with you, but I'm also at work. Can a, a business owner be effective when they're absentee? I think it depends on the business again. There are there are business owners out there that have built a system in their business mm-hmm. to the point where they don't need to be there. You had TJ and Tiffon. They they're they're in a place right now where they're working. They had some employee changeovers. But they are people that had a system built to the point where they focused the majority of their time on working on the business and not in it, like they always say. So there are people that can accomplish that system. I would like to get to that point at some point, and that's that's one of my weaknesses is trying to figure out a system that that works like that. But I've I've got role models that have done it, like Fred Korth at Fred's Heating and Air has built an amazing system where he doesn't have to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. He's got great guys in place that, it's just right. figuring out how to do that. So I think you can. I think you can get to that point, and I think your business can run efficiently as long as you've put the building blocks in place. Yeah. But that takes time, and it takes it takes you grunt laboring to get to that point. Well, and let me let me also clarify something because I want to make sure people really understand. Yes, you will go in there, and you'll work alongside your folks, but you also have mastered that point where you've hired great people who you trust to do the job and you spend the vast majority of your time working on the business, which is what every business owner really needs to aspire to, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, how long did it take you to get there? I'm just getting there, Tim. I mean, we've started in 2011 and we grew slow. I mean, I'm just getting there. I just hired a person to work in the office. And you've got 11 employees, right, at Delta Electric? Yep. Yep. Just hired that person to work in the office. Otherwise, I did all of that. I did all the billing, the, the you know, payables, receivables, calling the customers, finding out where the money is, scheduling, answering the phone. My business partner's phone rings too. He does get some calls. My job was to keep everybody moving. His job, I like to tell him that he he's a special projects guy. He does mm-hmm. the big stuff. And... And he can run that stuff better than anybody I've ever met in my life. But I finally got to the point where, all right, now we've got a lady in the office. She's going to answer the phone. She's going to run the schedule. She's going to, you know, take care of payables and receivables. Now I'm going to try working on the system. How can I keep marketing going? How can we keep that phone ringing every time, you know? How can I get... From the time they finish a job to the time we build a job, how do I streamline that? You know, just don't yeah. forget. Because that, you don't have that in place. I'll have a guy that finishes a job and two months goes by and I'll go, I didn't build that. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. You, know? you need cash flow. I want that build right away. So those are the systems that I need to work on now. And right. it, like I said, I just got to that point of being able to think now I'm going to work on those. And what triggered that? If you could go back and do it all over again, you look back, you're the old sage and you're looking down on it 20 years from now, would you say you'd do that quicker? 
Would you have invested in some of those things earlier? Yeah, probably for sure. Yeah. You know, the, the, the person in the office should have come a lot earlier than now. It's one of those things though. It's like letting go of control. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to mm-hmm. do. Like seeing, I, I knew what my numbers were every day. I see them every day. I knew who owed us money. I knew how much we owed this supply house. I know, I knew all of it. And letting go of that and being able to just walk in once a week and look at a report instead of seeing it every day, that was the hardest part for me. Yeah. The other misnomer, I think, for a lot of business owners is sometimes they look at that and they say it's an expense versus understanding how it could actually mm-hmm. help them grow revenue yeah, because then you can... Right. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, again, you've got a young business owner that's out there who's in your your shoes, mm-hmm. you know, where you were five years ago, six yeah. years ago. What would be your advice to them so that they can get beyond it's an expense to more of it being an investment that will return something? Yeah. Know your weakness. Any Anywhere that you're weak is going to cost you money. So if you can hire somebody, even if it costs money to hire that person, in the end, your, your ROI is going to be way better. Mm-hmm. Just hire that person. Hire the expert. Hire people to help. You know, we hired Jacob Miloshik to do our payroll. His name comes up. I know it does. What's, it, what's like, going on? I don't know. We need to edit him out of this. But... <laughs> it's just, you just get that person that keeps you in check. You have a meeting with him every six months or so. He runs a payroll. Mm-hmm. You have a meeting with him and he looks at the numbers and he goes, well, you're, you're strong here, you're weak here. Oh, okay, I need to fix that. I would have never thought about that mm-hmm. before. Because when you're just in the business and you're running it, it's like, I got this much money coming in and I got this much going out. What am I going to do tomorrow? That's what you're worried about. Yeah. So you don't, re- if, yeah, so a, a young, per- hire professionals. Hire people that can help. Even if it, you think it's too expensive, it will pay for itself in the end. When you look back on it, who was your greatest mentor from a business perspective? Whether you business were 10 years old, whether it was last year. Business, I don't know if I can call a mentor or more of a a guide on how I'd want to do it. But Fred, at Fred's eating there, mm-hmm. somebody that I always looked at with admiration. Always looked at him as that's that's what we need to build. That's how we need to build it. Because it's a similar business, mm-hmm. HVAC and electricity, electrical. That was a person that you look at the business and that's what you want to mimic. But I can't really call them a mentor. I'd say more mentors were the people that taught me that that hard work. Yeah. You know, my stepdad, my grandfather, my uncle John, you know, and then... Now I even, I, even at this point in my life, I got to give credit to my brother because now it's, it's like a, he's succeeding. I'm succeeding. It's like, we're doing good. Let's just keep this going for the family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of silly. It's like, why are we, it's, it's kind of a competitive thing. I think probably, you know, and me and him still are competitive, you know? Sure. Sure. I would give, I would give credit to, you know, my uncle, my grandpa, my stepdad. It's that work ethic. My mom just working mm-hmm. work, work work and just show that work ethic yeah and that's the other thing i think so often people forget is you put the work in even if things aren't oftentimes flawless even if the systems right mm-hmm. that you want to work on yeah. um are 
exactly as tight as you want, but you put the work in, it's pretty hard to fail, isn't it? it yeah. As long as it's the right work. And that it's funny you say that because I always, I always talk about this with Justin, my business partner. It's like, you know, when times got tough, that's when we got stuff done. It got to the point, you get to a point where, oh man, we're going to be short on payroll. Well, what can we do? Well, there's three jobs. If we can finish them in the next two days, those people will pay us quick. Me and Justin are on that job. Hammer them. Mm-hmm. Just get it done. But it all comes down to just work. Yeah. If it if you get in a hard spot, just put your head down and go. And that's, that's great advice. Kind of how we've survived. I mean, we're diversified. We do we do everything in the electrical field. I mean, everything. So we we haven't slowed down per se, because we are so diversified. We haven't slowed down in ten years. Mm-hmm. Which is every, you know, it used to be Christmas time. You could take a week or two off because there just wasn't a lot going on. Not anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's always something to do. I want to wrap with this before we get to some fun questions here too, to to kind of um, get to this personal side of you as well. But you've got a business partner, fifty percent owner yep. in Delta Electric. Again. So many folks out there that are thinking about going into business, but they're going to have a partner. Sometimes it works beautifully. It has a Delta Electric. Sometimes it fails. Mm-hmm. What are some criteria that, that you say to folks if you're going to go in with a partner? I pick your polar opposite. You need Interesting. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Pick your polar opposite. I mean, you want somebody that works as hard as you, but, but specializes in something other than you. The funny, it's kind of a funny story, me and Justin. We worked for Roberts, and I was the service manager. He was the contractor, so he pulled all the permits. He had the license to pull all the permits for the company. And we, so we were both high enough up that we could see the writing on the wall. Things weren't going that great. Come to find out, okay, going out of business. We knew before everybody else. That was a 50-man shop. They worked nationwide. Uh, we saw it coming, and... Like, well, we didn't really know each other. I worked with him once or twice on a job. So there was an estimator that worked for Roberts. His name was Kent Clubundy. And he comes comes to me, and I'm like, I'm just going to start my own thing. He goes, I think there's somebody you should talk to before you do that. So we went to Brewski's one day, had a lunch meeting, and it was me and Kent and Justin. And Kent basically said, here's, because he had owned businesses before, and he's done this. He's like, here's what you need to do. I think you two would be great together. You're this, you're that. I think you should do this, you know. There was a lot more to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Shorten it up. Mm -hmm. Basically, it was me looking at Justin and Justin looking at me going, what do you think, you want to do this? Sure, why not? Let's try it. There's that that gun again. Just didn't know, you know, didn't know him at all. So we started doing little jobs here and there. We We had relationships with contractors being in the business, you know. We were in... Sioux Falls, South Dakota, working on a Qdoba in my personal truck with a bunch of cheap plastic toolboxes thrown in the back. And we're in a red roof in hotel room because we're doing a job overnight. And here we are, we're setting up Delta Electric at gmail.com. That's the name. You know, we're setting up all this this stuff, you know. We're doing this in a hotel room, a red roof in. <laughs> Long story short, we, we start this business. We That business goes under. We get to pick from 50 guys. Basically, we get to go to them and say, hey, 
we're going to take these 10 guys that we picked out. We're like, hey, guys, here's the deal. They didn't know any of this was coming. Friday, they're closing the doors, and that's it. So you can end your career with Roberts on Friday, and you can start with Delta on Monday. It's your choice. Or you can do what you want to do. They all took it. Mm. We ended up taking over two contracts that, that Roberts had going. The owner of Roberts was like, here, take them, because they expect him to finish them. He's under contract. If you take them over, sign the contract over to you, you get the rest of whatever's left in the contract. So that's how we started. Mm-hmm. And long story short, there's only one of those guys with us. He's the one guy that we still have to this day. But it's been, you know, from 2011 to now, I've never had one fight with Justin. Not one. Why is that? I, we know our lane. Mm-hmm. He does his thing. I do my thing. We both work hard. There's no slacking. There's no lack of effort from either one of us. If there's a disagreement, it is what it is. We may disagree on it. But if it's in my lane, I'm going to deal with it. If it's in it, if it's in his lane, he's going to deal with it. We've never had a fight. Mm. Not once. Which to me sounds unheard of in a business relationship. I, I think it's incredibly special. Yeah. I, it's 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 amazing. We just clicked. Mm-hmm. And it was just like like you said, it's one of them things. And you All did it gut. you did it with your gut. Yep. You're like, let's go. Was. It was yeah. it was having lunch at Brewski's pub and you wanna try it? Sure. Let's go. <laughs> what I was waiting for is that you scribbled out the uh business plan on a on a cocktail napkin because no, that's where business plan yeah yeah there's no money there was no talk about financing there was nothing he bought himself an, a van i bought a bunch of cheap toolboxes threw them in my truck it was just and you know you go that first six months or whatever without a paycheck that was rough but even then you know we didn't have to we i borrowed money from my stepdad and i gotta thank god that he did that because since that day, we've never had to borrow money again. Mm. That we didn't want to borrow money, mm-hmm. but it was payroll. And if you if you if you knew my ex stepdad, borrowing money from him is like taking his arm. So, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I need. He's a good businessman. I need ten thousand dollars for payroll. I got to pay these guys. I'm not paying myself out of this ten thousand dollars, but I need this. Yeah. All right, take it here. Are you feeling all right? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was again, you know, borrow a little more, but and the stipulations were pay it back when you can. No interest, no nothing. No interest, no nothing. And mm-hmm. I borrowed money from him before, but there was interest. There's there was interest when you borrowed, money, but this time it was just get it going. So wow, couldn't have done it without him either. Absolutely, but, and you know, you you um, one other thing that I see consistently throughout this interview is the trust that people have in you, right? Your stepdad. Um, you know, uh, so many people who said, Hey, the, the business was closing on Friday at 10 electricians. You said, I'm jumping on board. Yeah. What about what else were they going to do? Well, let's <laughs> not underestimate yeah. you. Yeah. I'm a clear rock and hard place a little bit. So <laughs> maybe a little, but it also speaks to you. What do people see in you? Do you think? Oh, geez. What'd your stepdad see to say here, take it. What did you, these 10 employees see? I think, I think, you know, I may be a little too modest to answer that question, but if, if anything, I think I'll put in the hours. I'll work. Mm-hmm. I may not make the right decision every time, but I'll work. It's not from lack of lack of effort. If, if I can say anything about myself, it's that. Like, I'm not scared to work. Yeah. 
you know, and Justin's not either. It's, it just is what it is. And my wife's not either. It just, if it needs to get done, it's going to get done. Yeah. What an entrepreneurial family. Of course, your wife owns a couple of businesses mm-hmm. as well. And you say you do the maintenance there and that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. She's got the vision yep. for those, which uh, we're going to have to talk to her at some point too. But this has been fascinating. Now, before I let you go, we're going to, we're going to jump into a couple okay. of crazy questions. Is okay. that, is that all right with yep. you? So this has been the summer of blockbusters. Actually, it started out, mm-hmm. summer just completely crashed and burned. So here's the question. Is it Oppenheimer, Barbie, or Mission Impossible for you? Oppenheimer. Did you see it? No. Okay. Why Oppenheimer to. then? I'm a history nut. Oh. I'm a firm believer that, that you can you know where everything's going as long as you kind of know where we've been. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history nut. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I love it. Well, once you see that movie, you'll see. I think your minds work a little bit similar. Oh, I mean, he's brilliant. Put me on the look for him. Holy cow! <laughs> no, but you see, he's he's a tinkerer, yeah, and it's constantly moving. All right, Matt Rule, Husker coach. What have you learned from him? What What do you think his greatest leadership trait has been in his short tenure as a head coach? Hasn't even coached a game. Yeah, but what have you seen? You know, and I don't know that much about him either. You know, I haven't been followed. I got to admit, and this is going to be not good being where we're at, but I am a Fairweather fan. So, so the bandwagon so when since, things are good. Since the 90s, I've been lacking in Husker football a little bit, but I think it's good. I think everything that I've read anyway, I think that he knows how to how to build a culture, you know? Yeah. He, he, you know, I, th- I think he'll be good. I think an outsider's good, too. Yeah. You know, I, I, the Scott Frost thing was... Everybody had high hopes, but I wondered about that from day one. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't, you can't, you can't hire Tom Osborne. You're just not going to do it. And I feel like that's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, Good leadership lesson for businesses, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you yeah. go. We're going to find out. Yeah. So I'm excited to find out. I hope it's. I hope I'm on board. I do you know? too. So I do too. I, I tell you what, it has been a long run to, yeah. to your point. I still drink yep. the Kool-Aid though. Yep. So I'm ready. Let's it. go. I get it. My dad was <laughs> obsessed. He went to the orange bowl and you know, the nineties. And I mean, he just, he loved it. Yeah. Last one. If you weren't doing what you're doing today, what would you be doing? Real estate. Interesting. Yeah. What intrigues you about that? I don't know what it is. I just like it. I like buying buildings. I like buying houses. We, me and my wife flipped three houses, you know, and it was just, it was just enjoyable for me. Yeah. She said it stressed her out a little bit, but I couldn't have done it without her though either. You know, I mean, like I said, I know how to grunt. Yeah. She's better at the pretty things. Yeah. She's better at knowing what people want. Well, I saw the house, uh, not far from the elementary school. That you guys transformed, beautiful, yeah. So a little bit, a little bit of house flipping and real estate would yep. be what you'd yep. be doing yep. if you really enjoy that. That's that's yeah. fun. And I, honestly, if 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 I'm done being an electrician, I'm sure I'm going to do real estate in through my retirement. Yeah, some sort. Yeah, you know, seems I to like fit. all of it. It's, yeah, that real estate stuff's just. Well, there's that competitive drive again. It has been a ball learning a lot more. I've known you since you were a little one, but it has been a ball learning more about your vision and your philosophy on on business. No wonder your success. No one's going to outwork you. So, yeah, (laughs) I love it. 
Nolan, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you.
Ahura Media Production.